Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cuba. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. Today within the Liberal Cube is Movie Monday. Move over Monday, it's time for Movie Monday, which is very similar to regular Monday, with the exception that it is good. And it involves movies. Those are your uh, two main differences there. Something I like to say at the top of every show, although I believe in my personal humble opinion, most importantly on a movie Monday, is that there will be spoilers. Prepare for spoilers ahead. Take heed of this warning. I have lots of it. Heed that is. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, because that right there is what helps others find the podcast. Uh, I am directing that at everyone who is listening. However, if you are a Canadian, I need, I do believe, although I haven't checked in a little bit, two more ratings in the Canadian iTunes store for my average to show up. Ha That would be cool if it did. Like it does, I am happy to say, in the uh, USA iTunes A store. So thank you to the folk down south. Very much appreciate it. That will lead us into our last piece of podcast-related business. And it is a business, is it not? Of course it is. We have to make some money. It's not like I'm doing this for fun. (laughs) Today's sponsor is the Elite Hunting Club. Once again, today's sponsor is the Elite Hunting Club, where our motto is, let's torture and kill people. The Elite Hunting Club. Movie the first. Oh, okay, well, how about I do, as I do just about every time, I'm pretty sure, and tell you how many movies I have today, and what sort of the overall game plan is. I have five movies. Uh, Probably two and three. Two on the drive-in, three on the way home, if I had to guess. That would be what's going to happen. However, you never know in this crazy, topsy-turvy, liberal cube world, anything could happen. Anything. For example, a ostrich riding the back of a alligator could cross the street right now, and um, perhaps I would hit it, and thus the podcast would end right this second without any further talk of movies whatsoever. Oh, that'd be a shame. Okay, it appears that that is not going to happen, so movie the first is called It's a Disaster. Uh, perhaps I should say that again. It's a disaster. The missus, meaning the missus that I am married to, uh, says this line, It's a disaster, which I believe is a line from oh, the goddamn fucking one of the Real Housewives uh, said that in the show, so now she says it all the time. It's a disaster! And says it like that. 
Which is amusing, despite the fact that I believe that show is a cancer. A cancer on this globe that should be eradicated. That's just one man's opinion. Well, probably lots of men's opinion. Uh, it's a disaster. Recently available on Netflix. Canadian Netflix, I should specify, but probably that also means it's available on USA Netflix. Periodically, I will go to this site called uh, something along the lines of what's new on Netflix and just search around, see what has popped up, and this caught my eye because it looked uh, like a dark comedy, and guess what? That's just what it is. I love a dark comedy. On that note, why don't I throw out my ratings? So A, I don't forget, and B, you can tell right off the bat how much I like this movie. Five out of five. Really, really enjoyed it. Combining comedy and disaster, which is quite often what happens in a dark comedy. That's sort of the very definition, I think you could say. You could have an argument that that is the very definition. The disaster in this case is, at first, uh, I suppose I could tell you, well, I could tell you anything because I gave a spoiler warning, but without even giving too much away, I could tell you, at first, it is believed that it is dirty bombs, then later a sort of a, a nerve gas, I think. Yeah, nerve gas. The, the underlying story of this movie is that it is a couple's brunch, Four couples show up for this couple's brunch, and uh, during the course of the brunch, sort of before they even sit down and start eating, a quote-unquote World War III breaks out. They live, uh, from the sounds of it, in a sort of suburb of L.A., and uh, three or four what, uh, what are at first believed to be dirty bombs are set off in L.A., and uh, that's your story. They cannot leave the house... Because if they do, the radiation will get them. Oh, shit. Later, it's, of course, the nerve gas will get them. Hmm. So this sets it up for the comedy. Hmm. <laughs> kind of. Uh, I brought back, just watching this, I, I had to look it up, but I brought back a movie called Right at Your Door that was almost the same scenario minus the uh, four couples minus the comedy and it was just a man and it's sort of, I think it was his wife was trapped outside in the radiation in that case. And it was very, very similar to that sort of underlying idea, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. I wonder how accurate these two movies are as far as if dirty bombs go off and you don't immediately die, if you sort of duct tape up the doors and windows to your house, you'll be okay? Like, does not radiation pass through? doors and windows, or is it just the the air that you breathe that will contain it? Interesting, interesting scientific thought query. It's a query if you will. Uh, what I've done that I think will make sense, has the possibility of making sense, is brought back each of the four couples uh, to kind of give you an idea of what they went through and who they are and things along that line. It may make sense. You never know. Couple the first was David Cross, which I will just say uh, is pretty much the main reason I thought this movie would be good. I'm a huge David Cross fan. Super, super funny. Uh, I believe he had a hand in writing it. Why do I think that? I think he may have. And as well as Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles, who the missus and I just finished watching season five of Dexter. Uh, it came about from us watching that that she hates Julia Stiles. 
with a passion for some unknown reason. I asked her to sort of define her reasons for hating Julia Stiles. She could not do so. So, take that with a giant-ass grain of salt, I suppose. But, uh, I don't mind her. What's, what the hell is not to like? Or, what the hell is to like? <laughs> it's kind of funny in this. You could tell that the other, a lot of the times the other uh, brunch members would sort of let slip that they actually didn't really like her very much. Uh, it was done in incredibly humorous ways. Like, for example, the next couple who were hosting the brunch were getting a divorce. And they sort of had a little spiel about, we don't want you to have to choose between us. We want to remain friends with both of you. However, then the husband said something to Julia Stiles along the lines of, but, you know, I would understand that if you decided to side with her and we never saw each other again, I would totally understand. <laughs> Julia Stiles says something along the lines of, oh, I would never do that to you. <laughs> then he goes something like, uh, well, you know, think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. They were, David Cross and Julie Stiles, on their third date, which is a couple's brunch, which seemed a little a little strange. Third date, couple's brunch already? A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. David Cross played the character he quite often plays, sort of a bit of a bumbling, nervous, yeah, probably main quality trait would be nervousness, I think. Uh, there was another couple, what I have dubbed the crazy couple. Um, she, the previous night, had spent all night up awake doing coke and drinking and hadn't slept yet. She was pretty horned up as well. He was dumb, bit of a jock type, bit of a douchey type, and that's them. Lastly is what I think I would consider and have labeled here the nerd couple. He started off the movie trying to get his hand on a very rare X-Men comment, uh, comic, uh, the one he said, oh, do I remember it, episode number 120, which had the introduction of Alpha Force, which had, of course, Wolverine in it, yeah, uh, and his wife, who was like a, a chemical engineer of some sort, teacher, but had a chemical engineering background. Okay, so there is your couples. Uh, kind of cool how it started out where... They had sort of no idea what was going on, and it wasn't until one of their neighbors showed up in a hazmat suit, like hours into this quote-unquote World War III, that they kind of realized that, oh shit, we may die. The chemical engineer, the nerd couple, I would say, takes it the worst. The, the guy sorts of goes into the mode of, oh my god, oh my god, um, we have to, every man for himself... Uh, we should maybe think about kicking people out, start hoarding food, shit like that. The chemical engineering girl, his fiance, uh, immediately goes into shock, uh, does not say anything for a very long period, eventually just decides just to get drunk. Good, good. Uh, David Cross, probably the most calm and level-headed during this, which I thought was kind of funny. That is, until the end, which I gotta wrap this up, because I have another movie, he it sort of turns out is a religious nut and thinks that rather than let this degrade any further into sort of evil chaos, he will put forth the idea that they should all kill themselves with poison wine. <laughs> and that is how the movie ends. I love the ending. I'm going to give it away right now. 
They're all sitting around the table, and they know that if they wait for the nerve gas, they're going to die horrible, horrible deaths. However, this poison will sort of put them to sleep, and they won't wake up. So they decide to take it. Uh, they do the old count of three, raise their glasses to their lips, and nobody drinks. So it's that moment of, oh, what the fuck, I thought you were going to drink. No, I was just waiting to see if you did. And then they say, okay, 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 we'll do it for real this time. They do the count of three, put the glasses to their lips, and nobody drinks again. The movie ends, fade to black. Love it. Good stuff. Okay, movie the second. Don't have as much time, so I'm going to do something I very, very rarely, if ever, do, which is read these out of the order in which I watch them, because movie the third on this list I don't have as much to say about, and I have less time now than I will later, so hey, it makes a kind of sense. The movie is called Tom Papa Live. Uh... I have been counting, every time I watch stand-up comedy, counting it as movies. Just so you know, if, if you are joining us for the first time, that is what I do. Comedy special equals movie. It makes a sort of sense, I swear to God it does. Tom Papa, who I think if you were to Google him and get a look at his mug, you may very well recognize him. He has a special brand of comedy special in the sense that it is clean. Oh, what? Clean comics. Two things I think I can say about clean comics is that despite the fact that it is clean, it is a ballsy route to go because it is much, much more difficult. Uh, and I don't know if this is just me in my sort of twisted, like darkness sort of stuff brain, but clean comedy to me is often not as good. Uh, perhaps the combination of it being harder to do means that it is harder to do well. Uh, I suppose that's a certain kind of math there. And I feel bad because I did not enjoy this. Hmm. And I don't like saying bad things about people. If it was just a movie, uh, I wouldn't feel too bad, but this is sort of one man doing his act, so uh, I feel not good about saying bad things. But he has forced my hand because I did not, I just didn't enjoy it. I would go for rating one, one, maybe two out of five. I don't think that I laughed. Which is a problem when you uh, are doing a stand up comedy special. Perhaps it has something more to do with the subject matter. Perhaps. Uh, quite often, clean com comedians will focus on family and sort of marriage, and kids, and what happens in daily life, things such as that. Now, I am married, happily married. Oh, perhaps that, that's it as well. If I was unhappily married, I might find some of his comments funnier. Hmm, that's a possibility. Because a lot of the time in comedy specials, when comedians talk about their wives, it is not in a fashion in which... They are being nice and saying nice things, because that, well, is not funny. Hmm. There you go. Makes sense, even. And then he sort of got into the kids' sort of vibe and talked very, very much about his kids and stuff like that. I do not have kids. I do not want kids. Yes, I'm one of those guys. So that section of this, uh, his stand-up act, 
he said things that, although on the surface are funny, I am sure would be much, much more funny if I was in the same situation as him. Let me see what his notes talk about. Uh, wife, kids. <laughs> yeah, that's two of my notes. Had a joke about how singing is odd. <sighs> Had a joke about how Americans are fat. Yeah, maybe it's not just me, because those are... It's kind of that middle-of-the-road, taking-no-chances that I think may appeal to some people, but people who sort of watch and listen to comedy... Like, I'm, gonna, I'm on my way to work now, and I get to work, and I'm going to put on comedy podcasts and listen to them for eight hours. So I think people who listen to eight hours of comedy a day are probably not going to find this brand of comedy as funny. Does that make any sort of sense? How about... In an effort to get a little audience participation, you can let me know what you think. If you've ever seen Tom Papa, uh, if you like him, let me know why you like him. If you agree with me and think he's not very funny, I hate to say it, uh, let me know that as well. Would love to hear from you. Uh, you know what? Just sort of on that note, to close this off before I reach my destination, I will say that Jim Gaffigan who is known for being a clean comedian, is incredibly funny. So it can be done, but I think it takes a special kind of person to do so. Folks, I will be back in eight hours. For you, it will seem like much less, as I will edit out the time in which I'm at work. Oh, there you go. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back! We are back! We are back! Back! We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Eight hours of work completed on a Monday. Well, that's something. That's only four more days to go. Hey, yeah, there you go. No further preamble. Movie the third is called Transcendent Man. Ah, interesting. It is what do you call a, uh, a, a documentary available for your viewing pleasure on Canadian Netflix. In fact, so far, 343 movies available on Canadian Netflix, now that I think about it. Felt like throwing a doc in, because for some reason I feel like I haven't in a while, and I enjoy them so much, but sometimes it feels like I lean towards just straight comedy, but you got to expand the brain a little bit of a little bit as well, and that is what this movie, I believe, will do for you. Whether it expands it into areas that you want it to go or are relevant, I believe there is a question there. Hmm. This movie is a documentary about Ray Kurzweiler, Kurzweil. <laughs> uh, I knew I was going to say his name wrong, but I didn't think I was going to say it that wrong. Kurzweil. K-U-R-Z-W-E-I-L. Spelt it for you, because I do not know how to talk words. He is a quote-unquote inventor. Oh, fuck, man. Inventor and futurist. Ah, interesting. Basically, I think you could boil it down to a very, very smart dude. Uh, the movie's sort of main focus, I think, is the combination of man and machine. And by that, I mean combining them. When I say combination in this case, I literally mean combining man and machine. 
So a uh, very, very cool thought, and that was what caught my eye. He has sort of uh, various points along the way that you will focus on, and that's sort of how the documentary is broken up into, which is how I kind of like it, actually, now that I think about it. It's almost like back in your uh, high school days when you would write an essay. So you'd say some sort of, you'd have a, uh, a sort of underlying theory that you are proposing. Then you would have points to back up your theory, then you would conclude, right? It's basically how they were, how we were all taught to do essays, I assume. And that's kind of uh, how this is broken up to, which uh, which is, I think, a good way, just because since we were all taught that way, when a movie is trying to prove something and breaks it up that way, hey, why not? Because it feels comfortable. Yes? Sure, why not? His first point was about the singularity, and this is not something I've ever heard of before, but it's a very interesting idea. He sort of uh, postulates that in the year I think 2045 or 2050, thereabouts, we as a species will reach a point where our sort of technological progress will reach such a state where it will just happen in such crazy leaps and bounds that the only way we as a species, we'll be able to sort of keep the pace with the leaps and bounds of our technology, is if we use the same technology to sort of further our evolution. What? Crazy, crazy idea. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. I want a microchip in my brain immediately. Well, perhaps not immediately, as... Uh, they have not perfected it yet, and probably if I had it immediately implanted in my brain, I would die. So let's maybe wait a little bit before that happens. Uh, another thing he points out, and this is one of his sort of main quote-unquote proofs that things he is saying are happening, are uh, the sort of exponential growth of technology. He points out Moore's Law, which is a law that so far, so good, has sort of been very, very accurate, and it is predicting the, I think if you boil it down, it's predicting the growth, meh, predicting microchips, let's say. So, microchips on a scale that can be measured and predicted are shrinking, becoming more powerful, and becoming cheaper. And this is happening at a pace that Moore has predicted uh, quite a number of years ago, and this pace has been followed very, very accurately so far. So, uh, kind of a cool thought. Uh, another thing which is sort of a lesser degree, I think, anyways, is the advancement of robotics. Although, maybe, now that I think about it, yeah, we're, we seem to be... I, I seem to see and notice more and more often advances in robotics in the news that are very, very cool. Most recently one I saw was a uh, robotic hand that sort of had all the motions that a normal human hand would. It was very sort of dexterous, and it was the closest we have ever been to a working human hand as far as robotics goes. So, uh, yeah, I guess robotics have made exponential growth as well. Sure, why not? He says they are. I suppose I've seen it, but it just doesn't feel like it as much as it does with Moore's Law. Hmm. But let's not bring emotion into this. Let's jump to the next item he talked about, which is GNR, Genetics, Nanotechnology, and Robotics. This one's pretty cool. 
uh, I think genetics, uh, so far as how we are working towards the ability to manipulate our own and genetic material, genetic material as well as the genetics of things around us. Nanotechnology, that obviously, right off the bat, makes me think of the Borg and frightens me. Uh, that is a lot of the sort of points made by uh, people against this Ray Kurzweil. Um, and the documentary, although it was about him, did, and this is very smart of them, I think, the creators of the documentary, have people speaking out against him as well. So it will give you both sides, which is very, very important. Uh, another thing he points out is that our ability to scan the human brain is also making that sort of exponential growth in in uh, resolution. So we are more and more and more constantly being more accurate in our abilities to scan the human brain. And when we reach 100% accuracy, I suppose we can then create and know further a human brain? Is that a, is that a thought? That is it all accurate? It may very well be. Lastly, point I have written down anyways, was he talked of 3D printing. This is something that always um, is sort of really impressive from my point of view. It is, 3D printing is replication. Uh, no, not, not perhaps 100%. When you watch Star Trek, The Next Generation, and the series is after that, they have replicators. Replicators where you will say, um, okay, build me a pair of scissors, and then a pair of scissors appears out of thin air. That is 3D printing. What is different about it is that they are using the very molecules, they're using molecules sort of at the molecular level to build the items that it creates, whereas we are using sort of different mediums, usually plastic. Uh, my prediction and this had nothing to do with the movie, but it's just something I always sort of thought will happen eventually, is that eventually people will combine uh, these 3D printers with food. So you will ask it to print off, basically, for you a, a bowl of vanilla ice cream. Kind of boring, but it will be able to do just that. Perhaps bowl and all, or maybe I'll have to put the bowl in. I haven't worked out all the details yet. Okay, so, uh, rating for the movie. I'm gonna go four out of five just because that put a lot of cool ideas in my head that were not already there. And that is kind of what you want from a documentary, really, when you think about it. Next movie is called Hostel 3. Ha ha! Hostel. It is from the Hostel series. If you remember Hostel 1, at the time it came out, it was sort of um, touted, I suppose, as one of the most gory and brutal movies ever created. And uh, I think between now and then, we've become a little desensitized. This has that, I suppose. Does it amp it up? It amps it up in one sense. However, it de-amps it, and that is probably not a word, in another sense. And by that I mean, it is probably more bloody and gory, but... The bloody and goriness is sort of amped up to such a ridiculous level that it almost becomes less believable. Huh. How about that for a thought? I <laughs> surprised myself with this movie. Uh, I liked it very, very much. I'm going to go 5 out of 5. It was a goddamn good movie. 
the missus, who I watched this with. I knew she's a big fan of the, the first two Hostel movies, probably seen each of them three or four times each, if I had to guess. I knew she would want to see this, so that's kind of why I pointed it out to her. Again, on Canadian Netflix, by the way. So, she, I asked her what her rating was, as I try to do every time we watch a movie together, and she said, four out of five. What? <laughs> every single time I have brought back a rating from a mit from the missus, nothing has been higher than three, ever. Ever. This is the, this is her highest rated movie on this podcast, so maybe I'll put that in the sort of, uh, in the title of this. The Mrs.'s highest rated movie ever on this podcast or something to that effect. Uh, they've taken the Hostel series and rather than doing it in sort of Eastern Europe, they have moved it on over to Las Vegas, which is a cool idea. That's where the sort of amped up craziness I think comes in. Rather than Eastern Europeans capturing, uh, travelers in hostels, uh, instead it is Americans capturing Eastern Europeans from hotels. So the tables have turned. Take that, people from not where I am. Yeah, you had it coming for doing it to us in this fictional world. This fictional world in which, uh, in the first two movies, it was, it was basically just uh, super, super rich people would pay to have this, uh, what they call what they call the elite hunting club, kidnap people for the uses of them to torture and kill in super, super gory fashion. Okay, that was the first two. This one, <laughs> since they've added Las Vegas to the equation, they, they've now somehow, someway, added the craziness of betting on these torturing and killings. I'm not quite 100% sure how the betting works. I would need... Um, a little more explanation from the people running the show. But, for example, and I can kind of just do this, for example, uh, one of the guys who was tortured and killed, they had a bet as to if he would plead for his life by saying he had a wife and kid. Uh, he did do that. However, the guy who did do it sort of bet he would do it within two minutes, uh, he did it in like 2 minutes and 45 seconds or something like that, so he lost his bet. Kind of along that line. Uh, this story, this hostel, I know why I liked it so much. It's a combination of many things, but the sort of main reason that this got a 5 out of 5 is because at least twice, possibly three times within this movie, something happened that just totally out of left field surprised the hell of me, did not see it coming a mile away, would never have guessed it. I talk about on this podcast innumerable times how when I'm watching a movie and it ends in such a way that I did not see it coming, whether it be sad, because quite often you don't see the sad ending coming, or crazy, or whatever, I like it more. And this movie had that in spades. I'm going to, because A, I'm running out of time, and B, I would like you to watch this and feel that same feeling of, holy shit, can you believe that just happened? I'm going to stop talking about this movie. <laughs> I had quite a few more notes, but uh, I'm not going to get into them anymore than just say some of the ways that the people died, but not who died. Just, just quick rapid fire. Guy had his face cut off. A guy was shot from a 
shot with a crossbow by a crazy latex black woman. A guy had his face crushed between a speeding car and tire spikes. Um, the end. Oh, no. Yeah, the end. There you go. Last movie is called Enter the Void. Enter the Void, not available on Canadian Netflix. It I found on a movie of, uh, sorry, on a list of, I believe it was like top 50 craziest movies ever made. And I can verify that it is a crazy movie. Rating-wise, I'm going to go kind of low, to be honest with you. Uh, two, maybe some three moments. Let me give you a brief rundown. I'm going to try to be brief here, as time is of the essence. Of the very essence. A drug dealer, a American drug dealer, is living in Japan. He is then killed. Shut up. From that moment on, and that happens fairly early in the film, he is dead, and it's sort of his... I don't want to say ghost, because I don't think that's at all accurate. His spirit, his essence, his something, floats around from sort of in the past, I guess months, perhaps years before he was killed, moving up to when he was killed, moving into the future after he's dead, and sort of witnessing how all these events transpired. So I think that's kind of the bare-bones ex explanation of this movie, and fairly accurate. Crazy shit goes down, there's lots of boobs, so yeah, we'll give the, the boobs three. Three uh, Total Recall-style boobs out of five. Yeah. Uh, the movie just, I don't know, it was very kind of slow. I think it was over two hours long. A lot of just floating around because he's sort of incorporeal, I guess is how you would look at it. A lot of just him floating around looking at shit. And... Oh, how about this to further convolute my rating? If you watch this movie on drugs, probably specifically psychedelic drugs, you would goddamn love it. You could tell that the creator of this movie sort of filmed shit in such a way as to make it appealing to people on psychedelic drugs. Let's leave my review with that being said. Folks, that is it. We did it. Hey, how about that? Oh, God. God. One final thing to say, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address. Mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be, won't it?
be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.